a Yeezy's an expensive shoe. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Isn't it funny that you have to spend a lot of money to like look homeless? Because they're just like the blandest shoe of all time, and that's like their appeal. Yeah, and I mean, you you don't spend any money at all, and you look homeless. It's it's an art, though, man. It's it's definitely an art. I look, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I look, they should they should look to you for inspiration because it's effortless for you. Yeah. Well, look, I know that was a bit of a backhanded compliment, if not just <laughs> a complete backhanded, just a, compl- just a smack to the face. <laughs> yeah, you've you've really interpreted a lot more compliment there than I thought there was going to be. But I'm I'm choosing I'm choose positivity yeah. today. Uh-huh. So thanks, I appreciate it. Can you I, describe I what you're work. wearing for the listeners at home? Cardigan. <laughs> what does the cardigan look like? What it looks like an old. It's what? What's what's wrong with this card? Like there's honestly, nothing wrong with this cardigan. I just want I just want you to paint a word picture for the audience at home. It's like an Eastern Europeany kind of. It's uh, like a 1980s woman's. Russian cardigan. Sure. Yeah, and then what are you wearing on your head? A hat. What kind of hat? Uh, well, this is my Mongol. This is Mongolian hat. It's your Mongolian hat with ear flaps, keeping me warm. Thirteen degrees right now. Really? So, yeah. It's been twenty-one oh, today. Dude, this, it's terrifying. This hat, best investment I've ever, I've ever made. The it's best so, investment so you've ever made was a Mongolian like, hat. Yep. Because look, you can tie this up. Tie your ears I'll just together. Tie this up. Uh-huh. For the listeners who are Do clearly your ears by hang this, low. I'm tying up my hat. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Wait, watch this. All right. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's a look. That's a look. That's a pretty that's a pretty good look. And then if I'm going out. Yeah. Starts oh, getting cold out there. Lower your ears. Complete coverage of the ears. Complete ear complete coverage. coverage of the ears. Yeah. And then if I'm feeling a little kooky, like I am this afternoon. One flap up, one flap down. Yeah. Although that's like the um, the like... the confused puppy look. The what? Yeah, yeah. It's so is that. I yeah. I was thinking that because I was doing that in the mirror before. I wish I didn't say that just now. Um, <laughs> but I was doing that before. Does it, oh? um, but it also kind of reminds me of like the um, the robbers in Home Alone. The robbers in Home Alone. Yeah, I think he wears one of these hats. Yeah, you're right, actually, now that you say that. Um, I saw that you just did that, by the way. You yeah, no, I took a screenshot. If everyone wants to look on their um, podcast player right now, you can see exactly what looks Michael's rocking. You look like a, a background extra in, like, The Americans. That's actually a compliment. I love The Americans. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Just because you like the show yeah, doesn't mean it's cool to be a, an extra in it. You look like someone who would have died in Chernobyl. Um, well, from radiation poisoning. You, you just look bloated and sweaty. I love that you clarified from radiation, just from just from an unrelated heart attack. <laughs> yeah, you just got hit by a bus in Chernobyl. Not nothing to do with the nuclear explosion. You just like you didn't look both ways as you crossed. Well, I mean, I you. I've got ancestors there, so and probably relatives, which probably explains a lot. <laughs> explains what? I don't know. Um, you know, while we're also, I didn't wear all this shit for, to be attacked 
Also, why are you attacking me for fashion? It's ridiculous. <laughs> See, that's one of those things. You've got you to go hard out to deflect attention from yourself. <laughs> this, is a, this is a defensive strategy. The best defense is a strong offense. Um, <laughs> You're preaching to the choir there, buddy. <laughs> Welcome to Deep Forward, everybody. It's been a, a wee while, but I hope you've been doing well, um, enjoying your winter and just keeping all rugged up in this um, very warm uh, sort of climate catastrophe that we're living in. Uh, sitting through the internet with me uh, this week, Michael, who I have perfectly timed to be drinking. Say hi. G'day. And my name's Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. How you doing? That's your catchphrase, isn't it? Well, again, I've previously explained it began because you never said hi to me on the podcast. You began, if you want to get to the actual cause of it, because you don't let me introduce the podcast. Well, we've given you a chance before, and if I recall correctly, it did not go well. So, do people... Everyone gets a second chance. Not everyone. Not murderers. Not... This ain't a democracy, this is a dictatorship, and we all know it. I um, learnt a fact, the word word democracy, the other day. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share it? (laughs) Great, okay, cool. Um, It derives from some other word. Oh, cool. Just Google that. Yeah, if anyone else is interested, I suppose (laughs) just go look for the interesting fact yourself. we could we could try and supply that on the podcast, but you know no, why take the remember. fun out of it? It was Damon. You know the word Damon. Uh huh. Not not Matt. But I also what? forgot what the word Damon means. So okay, this is so this is all of this is all of this is not worth it. Yeah, but I'll leave it. Sorry. In. Oh, I got pissed on by a bat yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I swear to God. Uh. Tell me more. <laughs> what were um, you wearing was, at the time? What was I wearing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was wearing my Batman outfit. It's <laughs> <laughs> very market's territory. Yeah. yeah. There'll be one bat in this tree. No, I was actually <laughs> standing, I was standing underneath a tree at night, which is weirdly an incriminating sentence. I just... Realize Why? Oh, you, pissing. You were pissing. underneath the tree at night. You were pissing. It'd be, and it pissed on you? I wasn't pissing. I was having a chat. You're standing weird, under be, a tree. Yeah. Just having a chat. Just having a chat. On a it'd Tuesday night. It'd be more incriminating if I, was, if I said I was standing behind a tree. But I was standing underneath this tree and I just felt just like a dump of... Uh, Water of liquid. I thought it was just like a possum had shaken the tree. Uh huh. And then I realized it hasn't, I realized it hadn't rained in like three days. And then I looked up and there was a bat there just going, just like getting ready for the night. It was just like taking a one, one last piss before it. Actually, they're awake at night. So it was probably just getting up for the day. Yeah, it just woken up, you know, it had some uh, shit to get ready. And then, uh, you know, made it so beautiful before it was heading out for dinner, which is, yeah. of course, breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Did you, could you smell anything? Like, did you know it was piss? That's, no, nah, I couldn't smell anything. 
wonder. Which is worse. Can you just Google for me? Does bat piss smell? Do you actually want me to Google that? Yeah, just just find out for me. I hate I hate what I'm gonna what Google's gonna advertise to me. <laughs> it might advertise bat piss repellent. So you might actually do yourself a favor. <laughs> I was just texting my friend and he was saying um, that his he thinks his beard's thinning out. And so as a joke, I googled um, like beard baldness cream. <laughs> and then I was like, fuck, I didn't do it in incognito mode. Like I'm 100% going to get like baldness ads coming yeah, up. Yeah, you've done it now. <laughs> Does bat piss <laughs> Brilliant. Bats do have an odor, but they don't stink. That's just bats, though. They're just bat smells. I don't know. Who cares? It's probably the same. I don't know. Maybe he's been drinking a lot of water. Yeah. Um, So I thought this week uh, we could talk on something that we have touched on previously, but not quite fully delved into yet, which is the CRISPR baby scandal. Um to use it as a, a launching pad for a bit of a broader chat but for those of you out there who did not hear anything about it this was a, a story that broke at the end of last year um so we're pretty topical um the uh idea was CRISPR is a gene editing um tool um and a chinese researcher um has basically become the center of uh, a global controversy because he allegedly made the first CRISPR edited babies, twin girls named Lulu and Nana. Um, and basically he, uh, uh um, <laughs> let me, uh, clarify there. The one that we, I lo- I cracked myself up by not explaining this, but the guy's name is he Jiankui. He's a Chinese. He so Jiankui. when I said he, I was meaning he is the name, but, um, it was also he. So Mr. look, Jiankui. I just, I, I made myself a laugh um, unintentionally. Um, so basically, uh, by doing human testing on CRISPR, uh, which is a gene editing tool, um, without any kind of uh, ethical oversight, without um, proper procedures and um, you know the international um, approval of the gene editing um, science bodies, um, he basically has crossed this boundary into a world in which uh, humans are now genetically modifying their own uh, uh, offspring. Um, so he was basically trying to um, to uh, address a gene in order to make the kids HIV immune. Um, so... Uh, theoretically, this is a, a, um, uh, a, you know, HIV is obviously a disease. And so in some ways uh, I can understand why someone would want to do this, but he basically edited genes in uh, babies who didn't have HIV to try and make it, make them immune to it. I mean, and basically I'll summarize um, the various uh, issues, but he, he created mutations in babies, and it's unclear what they're going to do. The editing he did it se- itself it w- wasn't very well executed um, and was only able to edit half of Lulu's genes. The rest are normal. Um, 
there are problems with consent. Uh, it wasn't clear whether the participants in his trial um, were aware of what they were signing up for. Um, he used a consent document that uh, described the CRISPR and gene editing very technically, so his patients weren't necessarily um, aware of what they were consenting to. He did it secretly and didn't tell his institution about the experiment and took a stint of unpaid leave to do it in secret um, and then uh, engaged an <laughs> American... Noble. It's very noble. And then engaged a PR consultant to create like YouTube videos to explain his actions and the rationale. Um, a few people knew about what he wanted to do but didn't stop him from doing it. Um, there's global consensus about not using or not rushing in, into gene editing on human embryos, um, but he did it anyway. Um, he sought ethical advice and then ignored it. <laughs> there's no way to know whether it did any good. Um, anyway, it like a, a huge, um, a huge amount of uh, <laughs> ethical and moral issues here. Um, and I thought a it would be interesting to know what you think about this case in particular. And then B, more broadly, what about the Gattaca of it all? What are we, what are we thinking should be ethical and and allowed going forward into the future when this technology could feasibly be used to um, amend embryos safely? Mm. I've I've had weird thoughts, that, not weird thoughts, but like I would say private controversial thoughts about this. That you know when they do like psychological experiments on kids and it really fucks up the kid like they i don't know they put a child in in solitary confinement for like the first 15 years of its life or something is this like, a thing that has happened or are you is this a hypothetical not sure i'm not do sure you know if this has actually days. occurred well i think i don't know no if idea. it's happened, it it's matter. probably not in a scientific context, is it? It's some weirdo that, like, locked their kid in a basement. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But we learn so much from these. We'd learn, so, even if it wasn't a real case, even if it was just something that we could do, um, like we'd learn heaps from it. Like, it's, I get that the, there's, like, an ethical issue with, like, basically just... We just agree to fuck up. Yeah, so we... But but here's the thing. We agree as a society to just fuck up one kid uh, and then we learn heaps from it. So we fuck up one kid, but we learn heaps and probably, like, save heaps of other kids. But what do we not know about... about In this hypothetical of, let's say you keep a kid isolated for 15 years, what do we Mm. not know that you think you would find out from that? Well, that was just something that was in my head. Sure. Example. But um, maybe I could think of something later. But, you know, that the the issue there is if we're learning a lot about, you know, a particular part of the human psyche or in this case like gene editing or some guy from China rushes into gene editing although i gotta say if i had done this <laughs> um i i wouldn't have i wouldn't have planned out as much as he had like getting a pr guy that's brilliant and he had a lot of forethought so you gotta you gotta give him props um i think his forethought was 
mm, people might not like that I did this. What can I do to yeah. smooth things over as this news comes out? I don't think that's yeah. necessarily like forethought as it is ass covering. Sure. But I, if, if, if it were me, I would have just done it and then thought, oh, people don't like this. What can I do now? Too late. I think that's what he probably did. <laughs> I don't think... I don't think that the first thing he did before, like, starting the experiment was contact the PR guy. I think it was get underway, get some ethical advice, find that people were a bit like, hmm, not sure you should meddle with embryos, and then go, you know what, I'm kind of already doing it. Maybe I should <laughs> uh, I should find someone who can uh, back me in this and get some yeah. YouTube videos out there. Okay, fair enough. I've I've definitely come at this story from completely the wrong angle, <laughs> um, but that's that's why we love it. Uh, I'm not. That, convinced, that was just a thought that I've had. Yeah, that I'm not convinced we, that there are things that need that harm to be done. Like I think there, you could learn the same information about the human psyche in ways that aren't child abuse. <laughs> e, well, sure, but it would happen slower. Progress would be got, slower. You've got no, you don't. You're just making that up, dude. <laughs> you just, just you got absolutely. You just said it was a 15 year <laughs> trial. How yeah. is how is doing it without child abuse going to be slower than 15 years of locking someone in a basement? Well, you're just completely look, pulling this out of your ass. A hundred percent, I am. A hundred percent, I am. I'll come up with a better example by the end of this. By the end of this. Uh, podcast so do you think fundamentally this guy did the wrong thing yeah i mean if that's what you want me to say (laughs) i just want you to answer the question (laughs) (laughs) yeah he obviously did he obviously did the wrong thing and it should be done by that's where we're going though isn't it well that's that's, the problem was that he, he rushed he did it himself and it wasn't supervised properly and it wasn't tested properly. It wasn't That's authorized and it wasn't consented to by the parents. But eventually in the future, it's going to be, we're going to get to a point, possibly even in our lifetimes, possibly even our children, where genet- kids who aren't, who haven't had gene editing will be the, the freaks. And as a parent, you're not going to want your child to hang around. You know, there'll be like the hippies that be like, "No, we don't, we don't believe in that." But then it's going to be like the anti-vaxxers. They're going to be the anti-vaxxers because they're going to be kids that will be able to edit their genes so that they're immune to all these diseases and they're, you know, stronger and more healthy. Um, and the kids that aren't don't have the gene editing because of their bloody hippie parents. Uh, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be a risk. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point, but at the same time, there's, uh, uh, there'll be so many class issues there as well because gene editing at at first will be only something that rich, like money, elite, yeah. um, uh, people will be able to, um, have done, um, which means that it will be, you know, out of reach from lower um stratus uh, strata of um of society um strata i should say of society um 
which will potentially <laughs> accelerate that theoretical. Do you remember that? I think we talked about it ages ago on the podcast, but there was some sort of um, modeling or extrapolation which suggested that humans would evolve into two sort of species. One like uh, super intelligent, attractive, like super dominant alpha species. Yeah. And then like the um, the goblin like underbelly lower class people and it it will really like bifurcate into this is over hundreds of years i think but um sure uh, like the when it erode the middle class and the the rich will just get richer and healthier and better and and the poor will just get poorer yeah it'll be like it's, a, be it's like real dystopia it, it really yeah this was it'd be like elysium man that movie right? yeah exactly that's the thing it, it'll be like it'll be um exponentially sort of spiraling further away from each other where the the rich have the ability to keep themselves healthier, to gene edit themselves, to, um, you know, interbreed in, uh, you know, they'll increasingly favor only people at that top echelon. And meanwhile, the, the less fortunate and the less um, healthy and the, and everything will spiral off. And, and, and so basically the modeling said exactly as you said, it will become a, a two tier um, race and, and until I suppose at some point we separate them as um, from, actually being the same species but um or we the idea communists or we become communists and force everyone to um have the same genetic editing that's a possibility too well i mean it, it is if you think about it in the context of vaccinations um uh, arguably um vaccinations should be compulsory um in order to for the herd immunity effect so i could imagine a, a a theoretical future in which it's decided that it's best for everyone that we eliminate the um, possibility to contract HIV from everybody, or we eliminate the possibility of getting cervical cancer or so. I mean, that's vaccinated currently, but anyhow, um, I could imagine a world in which some baseline of gene editing is required, right? Sure. What do you think in terms of, the uh the boundaries on what should be allowed if we're if we're jumping to a future in which theoretically this is this is allowed um and we've we've gone through the process of careful testing and monitoring and generations of of studies have shown the benefits of it to be achievable and and ethical and safe where do you think you draw the line about what can and can't be edited? I mean, in a Gattaca kind of way, would you allow people to change their appearance? Would you allow people to change their sexuality? What would you... Do you think that there's things that should be permanently off limits? I mean, people are already changing their appearance. So, so I don't think you can... People will definitely be able to change their appearance. Do you think that that should be allowed though like can you can you choose to make your child brown haired your embryo this is so scary to think about it is but it's also one of the more realistic futures that we've talked about on this podcast that's why that's why it's so scary man yeah um yeah because it's going to just create a world of problems, isn't it? If if everyone's just... If every, I mean, well, there's a version of it now. There's a version of it now 
and people, it's not necessarily fucking everything up. In what way? There's not gene in, editing now. No, but into, I'm thinking plastic surgery. Okay. Right? So people can get liposuction uh-huh. to make themselves, you know, thinner. People can get nose jobs to, you know, I don't even know why someone would get a nose job. Um, people can change their, they can get pec implants, right? Uh-huh. But it's not, because, well, it is costly for one. So I think if if we, I think gene gene editing would need to remain costly. I think it would need to be. Why? Doesn't that accentuate be... the, 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 oh, the dual race problem? Yes, it does. Um, in term, in terms of changing your appearance. Oh, but now we're, we're not talking about it. Because you're talking about it as an elective kind of thing. You mean like it's, it's not, it's not necessary for health. It's, it's a choice. But then it will become necessary for health, won't it? Because if everyone's, if everyone becomes healthy and you're, you've elected not to. Yeah, but if we're talking specifically about appearance here. <laughs> I think you could draw the line at, um, at maybe wanting to change your race. Because maybe that's a possibility as well. Jeez, I don't know. Can you change the, in, well, how do you define race genetically? Skin color, or a, a, a full a full range. I mean, race is effectively quite a substantial part of your physiology, isn't it? Because it's it's bone structure and and hair style and and like eyebrow shape and eye, you know, uh, acuity and skin color and and everything, right? Yeah. Well. I mean, you could imagine, you could hypothetically imagine uh, maybe a parent wants their child, their uh, white child to have an afro. Okay. So maybe it's like not race, but like borrowing characteristics or traits. Well, here's, here's, sorry to cut you off. No, I wasn't going to say anything. Here's here's my, (laughs) here's my devil's advocate (laughs) position. Isn't it? Is it not theoretically? Is there not an argument to be made that cross pollination of those traits and borrowing of them is better for the unity of the human race in the sense that it it's kind of post racial? If you move to a point where anyone can have just any of those things, though. but. I, I, not homogenous in the sense of vi- um, visually identical, but that those traits are independent of ancestry. Because I, I don't think every, I don't think everyone will look the same. I don't think everyone will have the same skin color. But if you can choose, this is a bad analogy. But if you can choose, like you're ordering a new car off the lot, and you say, "I want this, I want this color, and I want these kind of seats, and I want this." Um, connectivity and i want these wheel arches and things if you can custom custom fit a human from the full range of human genetics out there is there not an argument to be made that that is a more equal world when it comes to race and culture than than one in which that's solely defined by descent but if 
Uh, yeah, well, it is if everyone can afford it. Yeah, ex- yeah, for sure. But I've often would... wondered if um, if the if that's where like how long it would take for the world to, for everyone to just start looking the same because that's over. If you could if you could get a, a time lapse of you know a time frame big enough and just watch the evolution of human beings, that's what would happen. Of yeah, if you if you started with you know all. A hundred different races, or or whatever, two thousand years ago, and followed the progression over time. They would converge to look more and more yeah. like each other, and it would happen exponentially as well because of um, globalization and interbreeding and, uh, and everything. Transport. Well, yeah, we can fly now, and then yeah, travel becomes quicker and stuff. So, <clears throat> the um, <clears throat> so. Let's let's step away from um, aesthetics now, and in and because I think that that is in some ways less ethically problematic. But so, I suppose I I mean the, the, the whole the whole thing that has sort of been unsaid so far is these are decisions that are made by the parents, not the child, and that's quite a, a fucked up kind of concept as well. Because imagine if you discovered that your parents chose aspects of your physicality or your appearance before you were even alive, you know? Um, You didn't get a say in that, but they did. That's quite like genetic reproduction so far is kind of, it's a hands-off process and you're just, you get the roll of the dice. <laughs> it's know, a beautiful system when you think about it. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a roll of the dice based on your parents' genetics and that can go any which way. Um, and so you, it, it's hard to feel, re- you can't really be like resentful for how you turned out based on your parents. Right. You, you can't be like, Oh, you know, I, my knees, you know, well, that's just how that's how life happens. You well, just get a roll of well, the genetic dice, right? Yeah, but people, I hear that people say that all the time. Yeah, but I mean, I you you can't act. The, the your parents didn't have a choice. Is you my can't point. rationalize. Yeah, you you can be like, oh, I got your bloody hair, your receding hairline, or whatever. Fair enough, but it's not like it, they had a choice. So, mm. if you're making these choices now, actively, consciously yeah. for the child. And, you know, you could picture a, a world in which culturally, okay, let's go back to appearance. Let's say that all of a sudden red hair's in fashion. And so you have a generation where everyone has red hair, like, yeah. uh, like names come and go. And then oh, that's so everything a... becomes really popular for the 80s, right? Everyone's got red hair, but then red hair goes out of fashion because now everyone wants gray hair. And so there's yeah. a generation which all has gray hair and, and like. That's so uh, right. I, I, I reckon you're right on the money there. Yeah, uh, the the trends, trends of genes, hundred percent. That's what would happen. And but then, like, can you like just picturing again, like this this kid that grows up and they've got red hair and they hate having red hair. Now you're in a position where it's like you did this to me. You gave me the. You actively chose this for me. 
Yeah. Fuck you. You know, like well, it was cool back then. You don't understand. It was cool when I when we chose it for you. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, but isn't that so weird? Yeah. How do you how do you cross that line to allowing someone to make those genetic choices for someone else's life? You just have to, man. You just have to. And people, but, the people but why do you have to? You have to allow it. Yeah, why do you have to, right? What do you mean by why do you have to? Why because do you have to allow it? Well, people have, parents have the um, the right to uh, choose whether their child is a religion or choose whether their child is a vegan. Um, I don't see it as, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that parents should have as much right over their children um, than they do. But I think if you follow that logic, then you have to allow parents the right to choose the genetics of their, of their child. They already kind of do it. Uh, we, we, we can already kind of do it. I can, if I wanted to, I could go out. This is this is one of those sentences where I know it's going to end poorly. <laughs> Let's see where it goes. <laughs> All right, everyone, buckle up. I can go out and uh, you know uh, have a baby with a consent consensually, uh, of course, with a you know a Filipino woman. Um, if I wanted to have a, a child that was you know kind of a bit of a you know, look a bit of a, you know, a bit like, a bit more like Yeah, that. but no, do people, people don't go, oh, I want a baby that looks Filipino. They theoretically have a degree of, you know, interest in the, the person, in the, in the woman, right? But they're not thinking in the context of, oh, yeah, that person will make my baby hot. Well, I don't know, because mixed, I think we could all agree, mixed race, ba- not, not babies, but mixed race people are the hottest people. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, it's it's we've talked about how um, biologically we're programmed to seek exo- seek exotic gene pools because it's uh, yeah. a better semblance of um, uh, less chance of inbreeding, that sort of thing. Um, so probably connected to that. Um, the interesting thing about this conceptually is that, in a way, it kind of drags me back into the. Uh, <laughs> it kind of drags me in line with the conservative anti-abortion brigade, the rights of the fetus, right? It 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 makes me truly consider um, what, what at what point. I mean, I, I I do believe that that there is that a fetus is not alive in the in a, a human sense, not a person in a human sense, right? But at the same time. If you're talking about genetic modification, particularly optional genetic modification, appearance genetic modification, um, I think that that brings up a really valid question about what's the rights 100%. of an, an embryo to to have a say about <laughs> their own body. It's, um, which it's a really good point. Yeah, it does drag you, uh, drag you into that kind of um, territory where I'm like, kind of sympathetic to that argument from conservatives, not in the hundred percent. Yeah, I think not- I think the I think the abortion debate is way more complex than people give it credit for. To be honest, 
<clears throat> I don't think anyone thinks the abortion debate is simple, but but I think people act like it's simple. Which uh, uh, I don't I don't know if I want to get off topic on this or not. Uh, we can have this. We can have this. I did actually want to talk to you about this at another point, but we can save it. Yeah. Um, so my other question, um, when it comes to uh, uh, the sort of CRISPR of it all, is the health-related side. So, and this is when again the ethical dilemmas that become more pronounced um, uh, in terms of if you can determine that someone is has a genetic malformation or um, mutation which means they have a disease if you can if you can sense you can already test and show that um, an embryo has i don't know um, down syndrome or something um, sh- can should we allow people to remove that um, mutation edit that out fix that up in in embryo in vitro are you asking me? Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that when it comes to disease-related adjustments, is that something that has a different moral standard? Yeah. Again, I think people should have the right to do to the right to choose that. Uh, yeah, people already do have that right. In the context of determining that a, a if if you find out that a child has. Um, uh, a disease um, and deciding to abort. <laughs> Sorry, that was the most. That was the most extra look at a watch I've ever <laughs> seen. Are you Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> Sorry, are you the Monopoly man? I have an Apple Watch, and Excuse sometimes if, if it doesn't, because the screen's not on until you look at it. So if you don't like, if you don't actively look at it and it my sleeve was covering it so it was just a little bit of a pronounced a pronounced gesture <laughs> to like get the screen a on and look at the watch <laughs> oh what time is in the back <laughs> yeah. yeah um so what are you talking about yeah a really poor time Abortion for an interruption um yeah are you suggesting that we already have that op- uh, ability to um yeah through abortion we can abort yeah yeah but that's that's a different. I don't know. Is it a is that a different standard to a a, a, a mutation? Um, <clears throat> Morally, I mean, it's. Yeah, I don't really see how it, why it would be, to be honest. Part of part of the problem here is the the i the ideology of of it all is that there, and I think we'd both agree on this, is that there are parts of life that are mutations and mistakes, and that's part of the beauty of life. And if we start to, if we start to, if we start to clean up those little mistakes and stuff, curate it, the chaos of life uh, kind of takes away the beauty of it a little bit. But then as a parent, you're like, well, fuck the beauty of you know, the chaos of life. Uh, I want whatever's best for my, my kids. So fuck you. Yeah. If, so if, if that, it's, that, it's, if it's going to remove two ideas. a lifetime of pain, um, why should I suffer through chaos? Hell yeah. But we need, we need, we need those mistakes. You know, do we need, we mis- ne- do we need those mistakes now? Yeah. 
I would say. What sort of mistakes do we need? All of the mistakes, especially mine. We need like, it, it, I think it's, well, for one. Are you saying we need variety? Genetic variety? Do we need unpredictability? Yes. Need unpredictability. Isn't there always still going to be unpredictability, even with the ability to remove, say, a really painful disease from the species? If you could mutate uh, the genome so as to prevent, say, <clears throat> breast cancer, should we not apply that to every embryo so that no one gets breast cancer? Mm, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking about this too romantically. I mean, I'm, I, I, you, I understand like, that perspective. Kids. Yeah. I'm just thinking that, like, there is a lot of, a lot to gain from, you know, children or people with autism and Down syndrome and stuff. So maybe that is too, maybe that is too much of a kind of wishy-washy, idealistic kind of No, I think you'd find many people world. who are, who agree, you know, that... There, we know that there are uh, many in the deaf community, for instance, who, if given the option, <clears throat> excuse me, and this is something they can do consensually and um, with full awareness in their adult lives, if they were given the option to regain their hearing, would choose not to and would prefer to live their, their deaf lives because they feel a part of a community and be unimpeded in society. They, they, they don't see themselves as missing out on anything. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think you'll find I mean, many I'm, people who say uh, autism is not as well uh, 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 doesn't prevent you from success. Um, Hannah Gadsby's autistic. You know, there are many, um, many famous successful people who've used that as a skill set to achieve. So I, I agree. I think there's many people who would who would be right beside you saying we don't need to fix every aspect of it. And it's and yeah, just hearing you talk there, it's like it's not only those, it's not only those kind of physical diseases that you can actually see. I mean, like, I guess it would also entail things like depression, um, which can be or alcoholism that can be passed down genetically as well. And I'm just thinking about like if art is any sort of um, reflection of society. Do you want to live in like pristine like Singapore where there's no litter, or do you want to do you want to live in New York fucking city where there's like homeless people and like I want to live in the fucking New York fucking city? Wait, so where your argument is that that <laughs> we need homelessness so that someone can make like a hip hop EP? Yep. <laughs> I think the uh, the connection between art and suffering is overstated. I'm, I'm not necessarily suffering, but uh, you know, using it as a um, <clears throat> as a propeller or as a vehicle. I think a lot of art comes from um, 
mutations and and um, uh, things that don't fit. I think a lot of art comes from that. I think yeah, art can come from an outsider perspective, right? But that isn't necessarily one which is predicated on pain. It, it's it certainly often overlaps with it. I I I, I guess I'm just testing your hypothesis that if we if we genetically modify all of the the um, rough edges out of human society, that that will cause art to suffer at the same time. It's it's just a it's a speculation, yeah. just spitballing, you know. Mm. I don't believe half the shit that comes out of my mouth. No one does. Um, it's a really yeah, it's a fascinating kind of concept and i i think you know as we said at the start the um this crisper dude is <laughs> has done a hell of a terrible thing um but kickstarted a, a a real conversation about these issues in a way that perhaps may not have um if more people hadn't become aware of how achievable this is today you know it sounds it sounds like the sci-fi future but Really, it's right now. People are genetically modifying humans, and and so it's something that as a <laughs> as a society, we're going to have to quickly come to terms with what we want, expect, you know, uh, where the limits are, um, what the goals should be. Um, it's it's brought it right to the forefront. Are these twins still alive? Uh, I don't know. Let me. Well, their name's Lulu and Nana. Lulu and Nana. So a, a genome study by two scientists from UC Berkeley has found the CRISPR gene edit administered by a Chinese scientist may be associated with a higher rate of early mortality. So um, it's been linked to early death. Um, early which is, death? What's the point? Yeah, it's not a... Um, that's not a good sign, is it? Oh, you get the next one, mate. Lulu and okay, there's a Wikipedia page called the Lulu and Nana um, controversy. In February 2019, news was reported that suggested the Chinese government may have helped fund the CRISPR babies experiment, at least in part. Brilliant. Jesus. Of course they did as well. <sighs> yeah. Gosh. Um, they seem to still be alive. Um, it seems that they have inadvertently or perhaps intentionally had their brains altered from the um the gene editing <laughs> this was of uh, course a rem- as a reminder this was intended to uh uh prevent hiv um in the babies but instead has created brain editing um and may have shortened their life expense uh, expectancy Ooh, yeah gene editing it's coming to a baby near you um, so since we've been talking science and genetics, I thought, why not jam-pack the show with a little bit more science news? Play the jingle! <laughs> it's that time. Time for science news.
Alrighty. Uh, science news. I have something pretty fucking dope. In fact, I pre-hyped this to you earlier this week, Michael. Um, here is the lead of this article. It begins. Telepathic communication might be one step closer to reality thanks to new research from the University of Washington. A team created a method that allows three people to work together to solve a problem using only their minds. This article is called How You and Your Friends Can Play a Video Game Together with Only Your Minds. So scientists in the University of Washington have made like brain scan rigs, which lets you telepathically communicate with other people. Um, And they've demonstrated it using a kind of Tetris game, of course. Um, Wait, so you have to wear it? You wear a rig. Um, It's quite an impressive picture. I will send you the link. And in fact, if you click on this chapter title, you will get this article for all of you playing at home. Um, So there's a three-person Tetris-like game using a brain-to-brain interface. This is the first demonstration of two things, a brain-to-brain network of more than two people and a person being able to both receive and send information to others using only their thoughts. The team published their results in April. Um, We wanted to know, this is the um, lead scientist, the professor said, what we wanted to know if a group of people could collaborate using only their brains that's where we came up with the idea of BrainNet, where two people help a third person solve a task. So the idea of how this um, works is there's a block at the top of the screen and a line that needs to be completed at the bottom like Tetris. And the two people called the senders can see both the block and the line, but they can't control anything. And then there's a third person called the receiver who can see only the block, but can control how it rotates in order to successfully complete the line. They can't see um, where they need to be targeting it. So it's like a cooperative game, right? Each sender decides whether the block needs to be rotated and then thinks about it. And then through the internet and these head rigs, it's sent to the brain of the receiver. And then the receiver processes that information and sends the command to rotate or not rotate the block directly from their brain, hopefully completing and clearing the line. This is absolutely fucking wild, right? Wow. Um, I'll keep reading because I found the practicalities of it a little bit more interesting. Um, The three participants were all in different rooms and couldn't see, hear, or speak to one another. The senders could see the game displayed on a computer screen. The screen also showed the word yes on one side and no on the other side. And beneath the yes option, an LED flashed like 17 times a second and beneath the no option, an LED flashed 15 times a second. Once the sender made a decision about whether to rotate the block, they send either yes or no to the receiver by concentrating on the corresponding button. And then the uh, senders were wearing like uh, electroencephalography caps, which picked up electrical activity in their brains the different flashing patterns between the yes and the no buttons triggered different types of brain activity, which the caps picked up. So as they stared at the light for each selection, the cat would read it, provide the feedback by showing a cursor on the screen that moved towards the choice, translate it into a yes or no, and then send it to the receiver. And then in the receiver, they had a, uh, this is, this is crazy. They had a cable (laughs) 
with like a, a little wand behind the receiver's head and it had a coil on it which stimulated the part of the brain in the receiver that translates the signals from your eyes. So they trick the neurons in the back of the brain to have the sensation of bright arcs or logic or objects appearing in front of their eyes. So if the answer was that was sent by the um, the senders was yes, rotate the block, then the receiver would see a bright flash in their vision and would know to rotate it. I find this absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> I would like to see see visualize this uh, with the visuals. It's from the Washington website, and I don't think that there is um, visuals available just yet. But um, if you have a look at the article, you'll get to get a sense of the setup in picture form, um, but but uh, not on video just yet. But effectively, we have now proven or, or demonstrated a way that multiple brains can link together and send information to other people's brains, and and visual like create visual disturbances like in a receiver's mind <laughs> to communicate information. Um, that is pretty scary. What do you, what do you like? What do you think the first, if we get, <clears throat> if we get this going, right? So Apple comes out eventually with like a little thing that you put here. You just attach it to your forehead, forehead like one of those circular band-aids. And then you can do one as well. What's the first, like, what, what do you reckon the first, like, what do you think that will, will do? Apart the first from this, application, like, it's definitely like going to, it's definitely going to be porn. If the first thing you can do is like can? put it on your partner and then like feel what they're feeling as you're like sleeping with them, that it'll, all technology is accelerated by porn. You're being serious? I'm being a hundred percent serious. Every every porn. Techno- every technological milestone is pushed along by porn. HD video was accelerated by pornography. <laughs> 3D TVs were accelerated by pornography. It'll it'll be porn. You'll be able to download some kind of. Um, you'll be able to watch a video and then feel what the the people in it are feeling. It'll be something like that. <laughs> VHS VHS <laughs> is pornography. If it, uh, yeah, if you if you literally look up the history of uh, the connection between pornography and um, technology, it's it's long and storied. <clears throat> you kind of you kind of sounded a little aroused when you were telling that whole story as well. <laughs> I just you know something I believe in strongly. <laughs> Telepathy. Telepathy. <laughs> Uh, so that's some science news. Oh, did you hear about this body? This is not the thing, but it reminded me. You hear about this body that fell fell out of the stowaway as a corpse, right? Traveling from Kenya, fell out of a plane. What? And fell a body of a Kenyan man that was dead, was being transported by a plane, fell out of the stowaway. And went through the roof of that's, some no, lady who was taking a bath. That's not that's, in England. That's not what they call that. Are you sure it wasn't just a stowaway person who became dead from falling? 
What's a stowaway person? A stowaway, like someone who hid on the plane. Oh, right. What? So he was alive? He, he stowed away. Planes, the part of the plane where they put the baggage uh, I thought is it was like stowaway. A... That's not a thing. That's like... Ah. Oh. oh, yeah, that sounds right because it says the body of a stowaway. I'll just tell this story. It's way more interesting. <laughs> so the body of a stowaway, which is a person and not the part of a plane, <laughs> uh, fell from a plane as it began its descent into London's Heathrow Airport on Sunday. It was found in a private garden. Um. So, uh, yeah. So it says it was. Ba- it was probably an asylum seeker. Sometimes sneak into. What the fuck? Probably snuck onto the plane's wheel where the landing gear and wheels are stored between takeoff and landing. In doing so, they chance their luck against oxygen levels that are about seventy-five percent lower than at sea level and temperatures as low as minus sixty degrees. Oof. Most always freeze to death in midair. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I imagine that the reason that he fell is probably not because he lost his grip so much as he died halfway through and then the wheel cavity opened and he just fell out. That is fucking insane. It was, <clears throat> it was traveling from, uh, from Nairobi. <laughs> and he Jeez, landed in someone's way. garden where a woman was taking... A woman in London was taking a bath in Heathrow. Oh, no, it was near Heathrow, but was taking a bath and a a Kenyan man fell from the sky. Ah. Yeah, that's pretty wild. (laughs) And he was alive. The other story I was going to say was also avian. We don't know that he was alive. Oh, yeah, true. He's probably frozen solid. Yeah. Um, the other the other story I had was another bit of airplane news, <laughs> uh, which is... We, we might need a jingle. A woman f- oh, if, if this comes up again, <laughs> I would like to say that I, uh, after <clears throat> making my one and done um, seance news jingle, that I'm really waiting for you to bring me more ghost news so I can bust that one out again, because that took hours. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you and me both. However, the problem with seance news is that um, there's no seance news because it doesn't exist. So it makes it a very difficult. Hey, we know for a fact that you have gone down some serious internet rabbit holes. There must be a place which has given you ghoul updates, right? Give me some ghoul news. (laughs) Um, I had a thought the other day. Dude... My all of my thoughts are so I'm just like a walking tangent. That's what I am. I'm just like one of those. I'm just like one. Of, this is a tangent. This is a tangent. I had a thought about aliens the other day that I reckon it's. I reckon it's. I reckon I got it. Right. <laughs> so I've if, answered it. If aliens, if aliens were contacting us, so you know how people see like little. Green, green men or whatever, right? That could possibly be true, even though the aliens themselves, right? So this is my theory. The aliens, they've obviously gotten to a point of technology where it's very sophisticated. They're not actually the aliens. The aliens are sending little like hominid robots 
or artificial intelligence. But the, the, the real aliens are just sitting back on their planet. Like, they're all octopusy and stuff. And they're just, like, watching their little army of robots come and pretend to be aliens and, like, abduct people and stuff. I think you you've know? cracked it. Yeah, it's, it's the only obvious answer. That is if, right. If they're super it? sophisticated, why would they come? They just send AI, right? They just send, yeah. Problem solved. Call what? Neil deGrasse Tyson. I can't tell if you're a joke. Your tone is confusing me. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> um, um, how fucking good is Anima? I am. I am actually addicted. Like I have, to, I have to allow time of the day to not listen to it. <laughs> Set yourself some boundaries. <laughs> I have to, yeah. Uh, you know what I feel like? It's it's a great feeling. I haven't had had this in ages. But when I first got my PlayStation when I was like ten, and then I'd have to go out. My parents would take me out. Or I have to go to school, and all day, all I was thinking about going home and playing Crash Bandicoot. That's all I was thinking about. <laughs> when I'm not listening to Anima, like I felt this out. At work the other day, I was like, oh, I can't wait to go home and listen to Anima. That's what I felt. felt yeah. Like a child. It's a very, it's a very good uh, album. And I, I, look, I really liked Tomorrow's Modern Boxes, uh, but I think it tended to sort of, it got, it slipped under the radar a little bit, particularly because the eraser was so strong melodically. Um, it, it, Tomorrow's Modern Boxes felt a little bit more experimental and a little bit less yeah. catchy. Um, and to the point yeah. where, <laughs> Literally every year, uh, uh, my dad will be like, "Oh, I listened to this um, to this uh, album the other day. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, um, but it was like a Tom York one. It was pretty good." I was like, "Tomorrow's Modern Boxes." He's like, "Yeah, yeah. How come? How come you've never played that one before?" I said, "Well, because we have every single year, and then you probably forget about it again, and then you come to me and you say." Oh, I listened to this magical album uh, the other day. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow's modern box. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like it's stuck in <laughs> no one's brains. Um, so uh, the best song off that album, Truth Ray, is the B side. Uh, nah, Motherload, and also the B side. Um, uh, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. That's also very good, but it that's is Truth Ray. Killer. Track. I'm sorry, but it's it's Truth Ray. Um, the uh, yeah. So coming from that, which was. Uh, clearly like a step um, sonically the the, um, the instrumentation of that's very different from the eraser um, to anima which feels kind of like a blend of both where it is very melodic um, and and uh, hooky but using so many of those sounds and kind of um, beats that he developed in tomorrow's modern boxes it, it feels like the blend of both and it's also very clearly post, yeah. post, um, uh, sorry. I was going to say post separation from his wife. Well, not even separation really. Um, post, um, moon shaped pool and post Suspiria. I think, I think the, the, uh, instrumentation of, of having basically done more, um, more scoring than than composing in a way. I think you can really feel that in the way that 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 animos come together as well. Mm, it feels full. It feels like it feels juicy. 
Whereas Modern Boxes felt a little thin. I still liked it, but it felt like wafers. This one feels like a big leg of lamb. Agree. Uh, the first thought I had after I finished was that was like lamb to me. Um, it instant instantly I was like, it's a classic. It's classic. I, just, I the 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 only one that I I still haven't quite got yet is Runaway Last Away. One? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't quite nail it for me, but you know, the rest of it is very strong. Yeah. Did you listen to the Zangro part of the interview? No, I haven't had a chance. Or but you I'll, are I'll get to, to it. That is that is the Tom York interview to end all Tom York interviews. You are going to you're going to love it. That's a 40-minute uh, YouTube video, which I will link to in this segment if anyone else wants to tune in. Um, Tom York's Anima. That's a two thumbs up on Pitchfork, the podcast. 1.75 um, thumbs up from me. Ooh. Run away away. Really <laughs> not doing any justice. Yeah, that's because I've lost um, the tip of my thumb in a knife accident. <laughs> in a knife fight. <laughs> Um, uh, well, actually, the other thing we should say is that the uh, Paul Thomas Anderson 15-minute one-reeler is also stunning. The um, You can find that on Netflix. And the choreography, like, he is low-key one of the most interesting, like, visual performers. Uh, uh, even going back to, like, Ingenue, that was a really fascinating video clip, um, his, his dance style and everything. And then to see him basically, like... Buster Keaton in this and, and do like wire work and and really like emotive visual acting it was it's quite a treat. It's such a treat. So nice to see him. Is he's, he's he's aging like I don't want to. It's, yeah, he's aging like a fine wine, man. He's still cool. He's like his music hasn't gotten. He's one step ahead still. He's he's fifty years old. Like I don't know how he's doing it. He's like he's letting himself. He's changing, and he's oh, he's just the best. When when I heard that Paul Thomas Anderson and Tom York were teaming up to do a little short movie, I thought this is this is this is a prank. <laughs> this is a some sort of Truman Show prank that Nick's pulled on me. <laughs> I, I don't. Everyone else like got it ready on on Netflix. I was like just waiting for me to press play, and then. Your head would just pop up and just be like, "Fat bow, psych." Yeah, it's like if there was ever like a custom-made headline for you, where you look at it and you're like, "This is this is only for me, right? This is this is (laughs) this can't be real." Yeah, I I did feel like that. I did feel like that. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful um, dawn chorus. Oh my god, dawn chorus. Devastating. Yeah. Um. Sings like one note. <laughs> I know, but he's he's so much in like the lower register. Like so much of that album, he's like back down in the skip divided kind of um, uh, yeah register, and it's it's like haunting to hear him yeah. like not be in the falsetto and to basically like almost spoken word poetry <laughs> through dawn chorus with yeah. real emotion in his voice. It's it's yeah. it's like shivers. You know when that when it. When it dropped, I was like, I was up really early on Friday and I, it was like literally on Spotify when it came up and I was like, what? Crazy. And then you started messaging me and then I muted you. I could tell. 
for four hours. I know. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm about to get a play-by-play here from Nick. I, I, to, you to fanboy out, you fanboy fucking hard, dude. To be fair, I didn't actually go <laughs> too much about that album. If you check those messages, it was basically just me linking that it was out and then talking about the register and dawn chorus and that was about it i th- i thought i was fairly restrained that's when i started to turn you off because i i assumed it was going to escalate yeah which there. is fair that that's a valid <laughs> um uh since we're in the um the media plug I, I might also throw out one myself um which is that the video game that i worked on last year the sinking oh, yeah. city has has launched on pc and xbox and playstation and if you like uh, HP Lovecraft, if you like detective stories, if you like a little bit of an open world and exploring a, a city that's flooded and full of fish people and and big question marks, then please go out and give it a crack because I, I proofread it and I rewrote some of it and I, I hope that you like it. It's getting good reviews. It's getting pretty decent reviews. It's getting good, good reviews for... Uh, vibes and atmosphere and story and uh less good reviews for some of the technical aspects um but hey i didn't have any control over that so doesn't affect who cares who cares um and if you uh if you get the game see if you can spot all my easter eggs including the fact that i'm in the cemetery go find me in the cemetery stare at my are you legitimately I have a tombstone Wait, in the game. Why haven't I seen... Oh, it's a tombstone. Yeah. Is yeah. it a, with a corpse? Well, you can't see the corpse. Yeah, there's a tombstone, but you can read it and it says Nick Shadle. That's spooky. It's very spooky. Um, yeah, so I just thought I would throw that out there because I'm excited and proud of it and I think that you should all play it. Me too. If you've <laughs> in... <laughs> I'm the games guy. You love your Crash Team Racing. If you... Wait, when you were talking about Crash Bandicoot, were you talking about the platformer or the Crash Team Racing? What's a platform? Okay. If you've enjoyed this kind of thing, then there's plenty more out there on the internet. Uh, You can find it all at deepfort.podbean.com. There's 117 other episodes. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash deepfort where we put up interesting news articles in the intervening period between each podcast to keep your mind titillated and your tits mind dilated. And you can find us at twitter.com forward slash deepfort and send in your questions and comments to deepfort at gmail.com. We would appreciate them for the content of future episodes. Couldn't have said it better myself. Perfect. I've got a joke. Cool. Is that clean? Super clean. <laughs> I've just fucked it again, haven't I? <laughs> no, okay. I've got a joke. All right. And if you get it, don't. Help, don't. Um, don't laugh. Just play along. Just okay, play, play along. along. Okay. okay. Uh, how come the pastor beca- couldn't get... Uh, Sorry. Okay. Is, it this, is this because you're putting that in there? Because the past couple of times I've sort of, I've stolen your jokes from you. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. So you just want, you want to win. You want one on the chalkboard. I just want one. I <laughs> okay. Want well, I will, I will be the perfect joke receiver. Okay. How come the pastor couldn't get through the door? I don't know, Michael. How come the pastor couldn't get through the door? Gnocchi.
<laughs> Did you get it? I did get it. No. Yes. No, that's really good. A joke. That's Thank good. Ah, you. oh, you're such a good joke teller, and I respect you as a person. Wow. <laughs> I honestly never thought I'd hear you say that. 